My name is Paul, and it's my joy to be here with you today, sharing from God's Word. Maybe you can associate with some of those life-threatening problems that the people in the video are facing. Um, and there's a lot of things that can blur our vision when it comes to thankfulness. And during this Thanksgiving season, we want to talk about Thanksgiving with you. And as I had a few days to go be with family, um, stayed up later than normal as, you know, just visiting with family, and I watched some clips, and I got to be honest with you, saw some Jimmy Fallon, and I couldn't help but be a little bit inspired to do a few thank you notes, um, a couple thank you cards, as we started our time together. So we're going to have a little fun, um, but you know, it's easier to write thank you cards when you have some inspirational music to write them to. Kyle, do you think you could help me out with something? You got something back there? Oh, that's good. Thank you, trains of Muncie. You make me late when I'm going to be on time, but you always give me an excuse when I'm running late. I think that's exactly what happened in this service three or four weeks ago when Pastor Glenn just didn't show up to MC. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, I talked with him afterwards. He said a train literally ran through the parking lot. I believe it. So make sure whenever you walk out, look both ways. You never know. Trains, trains around Muncie are crazy. They're everywhere. Gotta watch out. Thank you, Donkey Kong from Mario Kart. It was avoiding your banana peels that prepared me to survive driving around the potholes in Muncie. I was actually pulled over this week. They thought that I was under the influence. I was driving in a straight line down That'll a Muncie get you. road. That'll get they you. They expect you to go around the potholes. It's actually a field sobriety test they do now. So That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Thank you person who left a meth lab in our Muncie Walmart bathroom. We always enjoy seeing Muncie make the national news. I know that guy. You do? We were close. He's, he's gone down a bad path, but we're close, and uh, they say that all press is good press. So. Well, yeah. Muncie's getting its word out there. Yeah. Problem is that whenever Muncie makes the news, my grandma calls me. Is this the Muncie you live it's in? It's never good when we're making the national news. So It's okay. It's not that bad. Thank you, McGalliard Road, for supplying every type of food a human could ever want, except for what I want right now. I was thinking about lunch after. It's been a long morning. Yeah. We've been leading and preaching, doing all that. Do you want to grab some lunch after this? Yeah, sure. What do you want to get? I was thinking uh, Mexican or some... I mean, do you want to go for burrito at Chipotle or something? Oh, Chipotle sounds awesome. But we've got to go all the way to Fishers. It's not yeah. a McGalliard. Happened again. All right, give, me, give these guys a round of applause for helping. Kyle, that's awesome. That's great. Um, I can remember back as a little kid, five years old, my mom trying to get me to write actual thank you cards. And, and oh, as a kid and even as an adult, I just always have to know the why. Why do I have to do this? Shouldn't people just give me presents? I don't have to actually write them thank you cards. And the, the reason that was given to me as a five-year-old is because the reason why you need to write thank you cards is because I will smack you if you don't write thank you cards. I told you to do it. Just do it. Um, the, the other ones are, well, you know, some people don't have the things you have, so you should be thankful and you should write thank you cards. Or, or maybe, you know, you might lose that. If you're not thankful for it, you might not get to keep it. And, and we might suffer loss. And, and those are some of the reasons a child is given to be thankful but I feel like sometimes as adults, we adopt those same reasons as why we should be thankful. 
You know, if we're not thankful, then we're going to end up suffering loss, that God will take things away from us if we don't appreciate them enough. And, and I want to submit to you that, that, that I don't think that's God's way of working. It's not what I see in Scripture. It's not what Scripture teaches. But, but God does have a good reason for us to be thankful. And that's what we're going to look at today, is we're going to look at, at a passage about thankfulness and kind of explore the reasons God has for us to be thankful Would you please stand with us as we read God's word? Today's passage is found in the book of Psalms, chapter 9, verse 1. And it says, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. May God inspire us through this important word today. You may be seated. The context of this passage is written by uh, King David, and it's, it's a song that's celebrating the victory that God gave him over Goliath. And he starts off with, with, with this simple concept of, I will give thanks to you. And, and sometimes in life, it's easy to give thanks. Other times, we're in difficult situations, and it's harder to express gratitude because we're in so much pain or so much strife at the moment. And, and when I read these, these sections, even in this, of saying, I will give thanks, I automatically just assume in my mind that the person is writing this out of, like, they have everything they want. You know, like Thanksgiving. When we celebrate Thanksgiving and we think about being thankful at Thanksgiving, it's because we have more food than we can eat in the next three days. Uh, there's just an abundance, and that's usually the context that we think of when we think of thankfulness. But as you look through Scripture, and you find all the times that it says give thanks, most of them are in situations where life is difficult. I want you to just soak that in for a minute. The, the, the majority of time in Scripture, people are expressing that we should give thanks while they're in difficult situations. King David was familiar with difficulty. He, he had to hide out in a cave from King Saul, who was looking to take his life. We look at the Apostle Paul, who wrote, give thanks in all circumstances. He wrote that in 1 Thessalonians 5. And he also wrote four books of the New Testament from behind prison gates. He, he, he was incarcerated for his faith. He understood suffering and persecution and beatings for living out his faith. And he's the one who wrote, give thanks in all circumstances. His life was not always easy. When we look at the life of Jesus during the Last Supper, when he lifted up the the cup and he gave thanks, that cup symbolized the shedding of his blood, the cup of suffering from which he would drink. And he lifted up and he said, give thanks. Giving thanks isn't just an emotional reaction to having everything that you want. Giving thanks is something more meaningful than that. So when I read the Bible say, I will give thanks, I I want to recognize and I want you to recognize that thankfulness is not a convenient emotional state. And and as we study this passage together, I want to break it down into three different segments. And the first is, I will give thanks to the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord. Many people get, you know, there's one word in there that many people get uncomfortable around in churches, and it's the word give. It's the idea of I have to give something. And that can make us get a little shifty in our seats because, you know, the church is asking for money, and, you know, some people are like, churches are just about money. But, but I'm going to tell you, when it comes to money, this is our church's position, and this is what we see in Scripture, is that God loves a cheerful giver. And he loves a cheerful giver not because they're giving, but, but because of their heart. God, God is always interested in the heart of the person. And I understand that another reason is it costs us. It means I won't be able to do something else. There's a difficult cost in giving finances to the church. Um, but, 
When we're going through a situation sometimes where life is difficult, I believe it might be easier to just write a check and drop it in a bucket as it comes by you than out of that difficult situation express gratitude to God for anything. I think given the two, sometimes giving, giving money can be easier than giving thanks. When, when you're standing in the shadow of loss, when you're walking through a difficult family situation or family breakup, to try to find a way to give thanks, it can be even more difficult than giving finances. And, and make no mistake, the Bible tells us to give thanks. About 25 times in the Bible, the word tithe is mentioned. 75 times throughout the Bible, we see those two words together, together, give thanks. 75 times. And I offered to you that giving thanks, it shouldn't be seen as a result of your circumstances, but as a way to change your circumstances. Because when you choose to give thanks in the face of difficulty, it begins to change the way you see the situation you're in. And this is the first point I want to make to you today, that giving thanks is a choice. Giving thanks is a choice. It's not just a response but it's a choice that we make. When we recount the ways that God has showed up in our life, fear dissipates and hope rises. And this is the other thing about giving thanks. God doesn't need you to give thanks. God does not gain anything to himself by you giving thanks. When you give thanks and when you maintain a thankful heart and you verbalize the things that God has done in your life, it does something in your heart. It does something in your mind. It does something in your faith. Giving thanks is something he instructs us to do because of the impact that it has on us. It reminds us of the great things that he has done. Um, my, my wife, in, in different times, has actually done this without even realizing th this concept that I'm teaching. We've been going through a difficult time, and believe me, we've walked through difficulty. We've walked through job transition, loss of family members, loss of friends. We've been through some tough stuff. And she's leaned into me and she said, remind me of the things that we've seen God do. Remind me of the stories we, where we saw him show up. And, and sometimes as we've had these conversations, it, it's been a different form. Sometimes she started telling stories before I even start to get the chance to tell stories. I'm glad I could contribute to helping you in that as you're, you know, encouraging yourself. But she's got a good head on her shoulders. And, and she understands this concept that as we remember what God has done, it helps us get through the current thing. Stories like one time we were in Coachella, Mali at a women and children's hospital. And our team was there helping for about a week. And there was a little um, child that, needed, that had malaria and needed a blood transfusion. And they, they had no matching blood type. And so we started testing our team members. And one of our team members was the perfect match. And so she gave a transfusion that saved that little child's life that day. And in that moment, we knew God orchestrated us to be there for that time. And it had an impact on our hearts. It had an impact on that community there, how God worked. And it encouraged our hearts. And when we call back to these different memories that God has worked in our life, these things that we're thankful for him doing, it changes our perception of the situation that we're in. Because every day as we go through our life, we're faced with, are we going to let fear cloud our vision or are we going to trust that God is going to work through these circumstances? And when we allow fear to cloud our vision, it affects the way that we move in our faith. It affects the way that we move in our relationships with the people around us. Uh, I, I enjoy reading studies on psychology, um, studies that they do on groups of people, because really, when you boil it down, psychological studies are just massive pranks that they pull on people in the name of science, because they're tricking the person to try to test something. 
And they did this test where they took 10, 10 people, 20 people total, 10 people who were going to get a surgery done, and they took them in the room and they said, um, we want to tell you the details about the surgery and let you know that there's a 70% chance that, that everything will go great and that it'll be successful. You have a success rate of 70%. And then they took another 10 people, and all 10 of those people said, okay, yeah, we'll do the surgery, 70% sounds good. They took the other 10 one by one through the room and said, we want to let you know this surgery has a success rate of, or it has a failure rate of 30%. 30% of the time, this doesn't work out. And 10 out of 10 people said, no, I don't want to do it. And they weren't done with it yet. They went back to the first group that they said 70% success rate and said, we also just want you to realize there's a 30% failure rate in this surgical procedure. 10 out of 10 people changed their mind and said no. And then as you'd expect, they went back to the other group and said, you know, we know you said no, but this surgery, it, it, it does have a 70% chance of success. And 10 out of 10 people still said no. Because fear is a powerful thing. And once we have in our head that the negative will happen, that there's a high chance of failure, it takes a lot to move fear out of our head. And, and so what, what are the thoughts, what, what are the beliefs that you hold right now about the days ahead of you? What are the things that you're allowing to, to push your judgment one way or the other? Are you holding on to the fear? Because when, when you express thanks to God, when you give thanks to God and you call back to memory the great things that he's done, the times that he showed up, it pushes fear out. When fear is in front of you, it will immobilize you. When we focus on what God has done, it will empower you. It will empower you to be thankful in situations where it does not make sense to be thankful. Where you would look at a person and you would say, it does not make sense for you to see it that way. But when we continue to give thanks to God, it empowers us to live like that in that situation. The result of being thankful is that fear is flushed out. The, the second part of, of this verse, King David writes, with all of my heart. We have to talk for a minute about how God views the heart. Because David notes in here that, that his heart is fully engaged in this. And this is important because God is never looking for forced obedience the reason of do this or I will smack you is not on God's priority list. God desires the heart first because when you have the heart, behaviors change. Things change. There's times when Israel's history where they would be having a festival that's supposed to honor God. They'd be offering sacrifices and singing songs to God. And this was God's response to them. He said, I hate your festivals, your sacrifices and your songs because your hearts are far away from me. In all things, whether it's giving of finances, giving of thanks, changing your behaviors, God is always most interested in where your heart is at. Because once he has your heart, all of those things will change. And if you've been struggling with the idea of, I'm going to try to clean myself up, I'm going to change my behaviors, then I'm going to try to get right with God, you're doing it backwards. That's not how, it's, how it works. That's not God's design. He says, give me your heart first. I will take you as you are, and I will walk you out of the issues that you face. God is always interested in the heart. And I know that as I talk about the heart, uh, the guys, we can tend to drift out of it because we don't like talking about the fluffy, emotional heart stuff. But the fact is, you guys, you understand this very well. Right now in the NFL, for example, uh, coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, Chip Kelly, he's possibly going to be losing his job because his team is playing without heart. We know what it looks like to see a sports team playing without heart. 
They don't get to the loose ball. They don't work hard. They don't finish well because their heart just isn't in it. And so their success rate, they don't reach their goals. They start to fail when their heart isn't in there. And so coaches will lose their job. Players will lose their starting position if they're not playing with heart. We will see incredibly talented individuals who who could thrive in their sport fail because they lack heart. We understand the importance of heart. It's it's what gives you the strength to finish well. And, And God cares about whether or not our heart is in it. For me, as I've gone through different times and and difficulties in my faith, in my life, where I feel like my heart begins to disengage, and it's hard for me to be thankful to God because of the circumstances that I'm in, one memory that I can always call, that I can always go back to, and I believe this is true for a lot of you as well, is calling back the memory of the day and the time where I decided to follow Jesus with my life, where I decided to give him my heart for the first time. As a follower of Christ, when you call your memory back to that, it's calling back to the time where God looked at you and he said, yes, I love you. You're mine now. You're a new creation. You are adopted as a child of mine. No one can ever take you out of my hand. You are mine forever. There is no condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus. You are perfectly loved as you stand today. And when we were in that moment of salvation, we experienced a joy and a passion about God. And it's why Psalm 51 writes to us and says, Restore to me, Lord, the the joy of my salvation. We're not the first ones to feel this way, where where our heart gets distracted and our mind gets distracted from the joy that God set in us at the moment of salvation, when we knew we were forever His. And, And if you feel like your heart and your passion has just been moving away from your relationship with God, that it's just, it's getting hollow. Call back to memory that first day where you fell in love with Jesus. And it'll begin to engage your heart. It'll remind you of the work that God has done in your life. Another story that just illustrates to me the importance of the heart being engaged um, is a story of my engagement to my wife. When I asked her to marry me, uh, we were going to have a picnic at Pilot Mountain in North Carolina. I've got a picture for you here. You can see it's that awesome dome, and you can get up on top of there, and we set up a blanket close to the edge and had a picnic. And I had it all planned. I had the speech prepared in my mind, and I had the setup for it. I was going to ask her when it was about time to go. I was going to say, so are you ready? Like, you know, ready to go, but I had my own plans. Problem is, when I asked her that, she said, no. She didn't want to leave yet. And I'm like, you're messing with my plan. You can't do that. So I asked her again in a few minutes, are you ready? And she said, no again. And I'm like, ready to do this, let's go, and so I have to wait. Third time, she finally says yes, and I'm like, and says okay, and so she stands up, and so okay, I can enact my plan, and she stands up, and I stay on one knee, and, and the sun is setting, and it's making the ponds across North Carolina just have this glimmering silver, and it's beautiful, and the situation is perfect, I pull the ring out, and I say, I love you, Tia, And it was the first time I ever told her that I loved her, so she knew what was coming. She knew what was happening. She got all excited. She did the girl flutter thing where she's like floating up in the air. And I opened the ring box and said, will you you marry me? Will you be my wife? And she said, yes, 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 and gave me a big hug. And honestly, the very first thing that I said to her was, you have to look at the ring. You know, I spent all this time learning about cut clarity and color and all these things, and she didn't even look at the ring. 
Why didn't she look at the ring? Because the engagement wasn't about the ring, and it wasn't about the circumstance. It wasn't about the sunset. It wasn't about the mountaintop. It was about her heart and my heart being in love. That's what the engagement was about. And we know that. That's how an engagement should be. But that's also how our worship of God should be, how we live for him. Yeah, behaviors and those things change, but it all starts with the heart being fully engaged. I believe the Gospel of John 15, 14 illustrates this. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Do you see the progression? If you love me, then obedience follows. 2 John 1, 6 says, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. Obedience always follows engagement of the heart. When our heart belongs to God, behaviors change. That's why, in David's example here, when he says that he's going to thank God with all of his heart, it's important that the heart is engaged throughout all things of how we live for God. Your desire to obey God should be because you trust him with all your heart, because you've seen the great things that he's done. And I've done a lot of things in my life my own way, and I've messed up a lot of things in my, my own life. But that's one thing that I know from the beginning. I want to do this your way. I want to do this relationship with my wife your way, God. And and so the the second thing that I want you guys to see is that thankfulness flows from a changed heart. Thankfulness flows from a changed heart. We're able to express thankfulness to God in difficult situations because he's done a work in our heart. And, And when he changes our heart, that changes the way that we see the world. So we can express gratitude in the most difficult of situations. The third section of this passage that I want to talk about is I will tell of all your wonders. We have to talk about this in three different ways, I think, when we're talking about telling the wonders that God has done. The first is the past tense, the wonders that God has done. I'm a pastor here at Union Chapel, and I think this church is amazing. And I think that because even though I'm on staff here, I believe Union Chapel has done more good for me in my life than I've done to it. Pastor Greg's preaching ha- has helped me grow and helped me heal. Uh, the community here, the people that have invested in my family's life, they- they've helped us through so many things and they've been of such benefit to us. This, God has used this church in my family's life in great ways. And we'll always call back to memory th- those times that God was at work through this church in, a- in our lives. Um, there, there's other stories, too. I mean, just, just a couple months ago, uh, a few of us got to go to Elevation Church Conference. There's a church conference down in North Carolina, and five of us went, and, and it was an awesome time. We all went to different breakout sessions. We learned different things, and I personally was looking forward to the drive back and getting to hear what everyone learned. And so we started this drive back, and it's me and four other women in the car, and I'm driving, and, and we get to talking, and, and I love the discussion. And I did something that I haven't done since I was a high school student. I forgot to check the gas gauge. And we're going up a hill in North Carolina, and I push on the gas pedal, and it does not push back. And I, in that moment, I immediately knew what I had done. I said, I am so sorry, you guys, and I'm just hoping maybe we'll roll to the top of this huge hill. And and thankfully we did. We made it to the top of the hill. But better than that, at the top of the hill, there was a sign that said one mile to rest area. And and I said, okay, we're going to see how far this baby will roll. Um, Let's just, we're going to keep going down the hill over here on the side of the road and and make it down. And and honestly, we rolled for one mile. 
and we pulled right up into that rest area. There's parallel parking spaces open, and I pulled right through them all to the very front one, put it in park, and it's just like, all right, I don't have to walk too far now, maybe. Um, but there's people around, and I said, you know, I'm just going to ask someone to give me a ride to the gas station. I talk to strangers for a living. This doesn't scare me. I'll just kind of do it. It'll be okay. And I start asking people, and I am getting shot down like crazy. And I'm like, I have a church fan right here. I'm obviously not a serial killer. Just give me a ride. Um, and and I was just getting shot down, shot down, and then I saw this guy pull up, and he was in a kind of beat-up truck, had ladder and some equipment, some, some tools in the back, and I saw him, and I just knew. I was like, there he is. That's the guy. I waited till he went and used the bathroom, because that's just a smart move. You, you wait till afterwards to ask, and he's like, saw the church van, and he's like, yeah, okay, I can do that. And from the moment that I got into his truck, he turned it on, and there's some like ghetto music playing, and he's a little embarrassed because he knew I was a church guy, I was driving a church fan, he turned it off. He said, don't worry, I used to listen to that stuff all the time, and for, for some reason, from that moment, it was just like, boom, open spiritual dialogue. I mean, he just, he just started talking, and his wife was with her mother, who was in the hospital in her final days. His mom was sick in the hospital as well, and he actually used to volunteer with the youth group before both him and his wife were seriously hurt by the staff of that church. And they'd never been back to church since. And they're in this really dark and difficult time where they feel like their life is falling apart and they have no support. And I was able to share with him from God's word about how the Bible says we need a church and how the church needs us, how leadership fails, but Jesus is always true. He never changes. He's always kind. He's always loving. And by the end of the time, he decided he wanted to drive me all the way back to to finish our conversation and... By the end of it, I put my arm on his shoulder and prayed with him when we got back to where the church van was, and he had tears going down his face, and, and he said, I can't wait to call my wife and tell her about this, because she's not going to believe it, because as I was driving, I was, I was just telling God, God, just do something. Will you just show up? Will you just do something? And he said, then I met you. And, and I'll tell you, the, the story is not about me. Um, Normally, I wouldn't run out of gas. That's not my normal mode of operation, but I did that time. And, and when I created a situation that, that messed with our plans, I could have freaked out. Uh, I could have taken a sour attitude. I, I could have done what I've done many times and just, just made the situation worse. But I just trusted God. And, and He takes our messes and He can do something beautiful with them. He, he can take our mess, our mistake, and He can work a wonder out of it if we'll allow him to. And we've seen that, and more stories are in this congregation sitting right now than are in my life that I could share with you. God has done incredible works in the lives of people who are sitting here. You've seen it. You've felt it. You've known those God moments that have happened. But somehow they get put in the distant memory when we need to continue to call those to the front of our mind. We need to talk about the wonders that God has done. We also need to talk about the wonders that God is doing. The things that he's doing in our life right now. We, we get emails and messages and comments from people on a weekly basis around Union Chapel where, where God is doing this right now. I brought a friend and, and God is just at work in their life. They, they believe the message they heard at Union Chapel and God is just healing things and it's awesome. I mean, in, in Muncie and throughout the world, there's ministries where God is doing work. And we need to talk about those things. 
They need to be on our lips because both of those things, the memories of what has happened, the things that have been happening right now, they set our eyes to the future and say, this is what I expect God to do because he never changes. He, he is always the same. And so the God who worked miracles years ago, he will still work miracles today. And I believe he will still work miracles tomorrow. And that's the other thing. We should talk about the wonders God has done, the ones that he's doing, and the ones that we believe he's going to do. And hear me, I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher. I'm not telling you God is going to make you rich. But I am telling you, I cling to the promise that God will see to completion the work that he began in us. That he will not leave us alone. That he will walk with us. That he will be with us always. God will finish the work. And so he does have good things in store. And as we walk through difficult places, we are promised his presence to get through those times. God will do great things because he never changes. What are the the wonders that you believe God is going to do in the days to come, in your family, in your workplace, in your church, in your neighborhood? What do you believe God is going to do? Do you have a vision for the future? Because I believe God wants to set dreams in our hearts and that he will achieve them because that is how he has always operated. The memory, this is the third point I want you to take, the memory of what God has done provides hope for the moment and the future. This is why we give thanks. This is the reason. This is the answer to the why. The reason we need to be giving thanks to God is because those memories, they provide for us hope. They provide hope for the moment and for the future to come. It can take a situation where we should be afraid, and it gives us boldness and courage. It gives us the, situa- it gives us the ability to, to have a mindset that just does not make sense. And to, to wrap this up and bring it together, I, I want to share with you a story of a friend of mine. Her name is Stephanie Taylor. I went to college with her. She got married in 2003 to, to a great guy that also went to my college, and they have two daughters, age five and seven. She, she's, she's young. She's 32 years old. And, and last fall, she, she posted on Facebook that just asking for prayer because she was concerned. She found a, a couple lumps by her collarbone, and she had to go get it checked out. She had put it off for a while, but she feel, felt like they got a little bit bigger, and she needed to go get it checked. And I encouraged her on Facebook. I remember commenting on it that it's probably nothing. Don't worry about it, but just make sure you get it checked and we'll be praying for you. And that was the beginning of her walk of going through cancer. She was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And the treatment plan included six months of chemotherapy. And she was advised that as you go through this, your energy levels are going to go down to near zero. Your, your hair is going to begin to fall out, and life, as you know, it's going to have to change for a while. And she's been through some very difficult places. As her hair was falling out, it was kind of starting to scare her girls a little bit, so her and her husband both shaved their heads while she's going through the chemo. And they just tried to keep on keeping on. And I can't tell you how her story ends yet because she's still in the middle of it. We don't know if the treatments are going to cure her of cancer, or remove it for at least the time being. We don't know yet. She's still got one treatment left, and they said things are looking good. But I tell you her story because I want to share with you what she posted on Facebook this Thanksgiving because it challenged my heart so much. She starts off with 
1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. She writes, which says, thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstances may be. Be thankful and give thanks, for this is the will of God for you who are in Christ Jesus. And then she writes, I am thankful in a whole new way this year, never to be changed or forgotten. I can honestly say I am thankful for the effect cancer has had on my life. I choose to see it as a gift. Cancer has made me realize I have so much to be thankful for. So much I used to take for granted. I'm grateful to have many more years on this earth with my loved ones. And I just want to say how incredibly grateful I am for each one of you who has supported me in some way and who have prayed for me, thought of me. I am blown away by all the love you have shown to us. God bless you all. Happy Thanksgiving. How do you see your past, your present, and your future? What does it look like? In the midst of the nightmare of situations, you're someone who's standing and saying, I choose how to see this, which is the truth. We all have a choice in how we see it. We have a choice of what we allow to run in our memory and in our thoughts. Church, we have to give thanks to God for what he's done because we know that he'll continue to do works of wonder, miracles in our lives. So what are you thankful for? What would you thank God for? With with this message comes a challenge, um, something practical that I want you to do. Someone in your life, maybe someone you're sitting next to today, family member or friend, I want you to just simply share with them from those three areas what you're thankful for. You might have to sit and think about it a little bit. What am I thankful for that God has done? What am I thankful for that God is doing right now? And what am I thankful for that I believe God is going to do? The past, present, and future. And as you share that with them, I believe that it will be good for you It'll be good for your heart to express that. It'll help your mindset and your vision of what God is doing. It'll also be good for them. And they'll hear that and they'll be encouraged. And especially if you have children, I encourage you, share those things with them. You will teach them how to see the world by doing this. And I believe God will continue to work through his people as they give him thanks. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that we have so much to be thankful for. That even in the midst of difficulty and situations that would seem impossible, we know that you show up and give us the strength and the grace that we need. And so, Father, help us call back to memory all the ways that you have worked. So we will hold fast to the truth that you are going to continue to work today and tomorrow. I thank you that you never change and that you are faithful. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.